I'm Kevin Mims with The Invading Sea, a Florida-wide media collaborative that reports on climate change in the state. As part of that effort, we've started the Business of Climate Change, a weekly interview with businessmen and women whose companies are either affected by the warming climate or address climate challenges. Today's conversation is with Dr. Philip Stoddard, a professor of biology with Florida International University, who also served five terms as mayor of the city of South Miami. Dr. Stoddard proposes climate restoration bonds as a solution for protecting the public from shouldering private costs of climate change. Dr. Stoddard, welcome. Thank you very much. So let's take first take a second to talk about um, the impacts of climate change on your part of the state. As a science professor and former mayor, you have a pretty unique perspective on what's happening in South Florida. Um, tell me about how climate change has affected that area and the challenges that local governments are there are facing as a result. Well, the first thing I notice in my life is that when I go to Matheson Hammock, most of the time there's standing water in the parking lot. Sometimes you can't get in. Um, years ago, I quit riding my bicycle uh, along the path through the mangroves because it was underwater and full of mud. I mean, just We saw it happen right before our eyes in the park that we go to my wife and I most weekends. Um, here in South Miami, the, we're inland by about a mile. What we're seeing is the beginnings of septic tank failure. Uh, the water table is rising, particularly um, on the properties near canals. The soil is saturated, the septic tanks aren't working right, and on a rainy day, uh, down near Snapper Creek, you may see people out in their front yards with their noses wrinkled, walking around with looks of disapproval on their faces. And they eventually figured out yeah, this is what's happening. So, you know, the systems are failing and there is nothing, nothing worse in your life than uh, flushing the toilet and having it resurface in the bathtub. And that's what happens when we get rising seas, rising water tables and failing septic systems. And it's pretty expensive. So, you know, we're, we're seeing it. Of course, over uh, in Brickell, um, very heavy rains uh, with tropical storms. We see flooding on the major uh, commercial thoroughfares. Um, I have wonderful video that I took one night of water exploding out of a storm drain like a fountain um, in the middle of an intersection. I mean, they've put backflow preventers to keep that particular one from happening again, but the general phenomenon is real um, and it's present and it's affecting our lives. And this is just the beginning. <laughs> We know, we know we're facing some serious problems here. And, uh, you know, people like me and my friends who study climate have sort of a gallows sense of humor about it. Uh, but at the same time, we know it's a very serious problem. And my perspective as mayor for 10 years in South Miami um, has given me a little deeper understanding of the interplay between government development and the services that keep our communities functional. And one of my biggest uh, concerns is that we would get that balance wrong and essentially hurt ourselves in the process. So one of the things you hear oftentimes in, in public conversations is, is very sensible people come up and invoke what I call the rule of holes, which is when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And they say, look, why are we continuing to develop in coastal communities, this is insane. We know that we're putting development right in, in, the, in the path of harm and uh, it doesn't make sense. And then you get mayors of, you know, 
Miami and Miami Beach saying, wait a second, if we put the brakes on development, that absolutely kills the tax base we're counting on to harvest the funds to do the um, adaptation work that we need in order to keep our streets dry and our residents safe and our communities thriving. So there's a real push-pull here. And that's what got me thinking, like, is there something we could do that would allow the economy to keep functioning as long as possible, but protect us from the economic harms that come from um, the cleanup? And we've seen some really spectacular uh, cleanup situations. Of course, we get them after every hurricane. Um, not many people realize how little FEMA reimburses a municipality for the cleanup work that we have to do on our streets. So first you have to hire uh, a company that comes in and monitors and make sure every truckload is monitored and documented to FEMA standards. That's very expensive right there, raises your costs. And then FEMA reimburses you for only a fraction of your total cost. <laughs> and I think it actually reimburses you for about the incremental cost of the monitoring. So really the people are on the hook. Every time there's a cleanup, the people are on the hook. And uh, you know, of course, the disruption to your lives maybe can't be helped, but the economic uh, follow through on that really needs to be addressed. So this is, you know, why should, this is a reasonable question, why should people like you be on the hook for the cleanup costs for somebody else who builds a house smack on the coastline? You know, supposing a developer builds a $200 million condo or hotel right on the beach, it gets wiped out. Is that your responsibility to clean it up? And so a lot of people say, put in a moratorium. Uh, but that can very well, you know, kill our tax base. So that's what got me thinking about the idea of, of you know, it's an extension of polluter pays. But what if people got the development rights, but in exchange for a promise that they would um, clean up if cleanup is required, if or when cleanup is required, and some mechanism to make it work, some mechanism to guarantee that the public is not on the hook for these costs. And so that's where the idea of, of climate restoration bonds were formed. Got it. So your idea that you believe will help governments in the private sector at the same time are climate restoration bonds. Well, and you've kind of talked about what you hope they accomplish. And, and, and you know, why do we need this? And, and, and how do you believe that this is going to help everything? Well, we need some mechanism to make sure that, um, that the taxpayers are not on the hook for um, the costs of private development. I mean, if, if the profits are privatized, why should all the, the costs and liabilities be um, put on the public? I mean, that's really, I think that's a fundamental fairness question. That if I'm a developer and I'm getting the, all the benefits of development in terms of profits, why should I cause the, force the public to assume my risks? That's the way it is right now. Okay, so so where are you now in this process? Um, are CRBs still conceptual at this point, or are there communities already on board with the idea? Well, the um, our new Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine Cava uh, saw an initial write-up 
um, on these and she contacted me and has asked me to work with her staff to develop the idea. I'm also working with um, uh, capital, Green Capital uh, Partners in Washington, D.C. to develop the idea further to figure out the um, insurance component. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that have to work together. So I'm doing research on a lot of different areas, um, but I think I will have a partner in Miami-Dade County in terms of um, looking to see whether we can implement this, uh, this program here. I'll say that right now we still have pieces that work at, have to be worked out. Um, there's the question of how you finance the restoration. Is it done entirely as an escrow account or does there have to be an insurance backup in case say a hurricane comes earlier than expected and, uh, and causes the damage and maybe causes the developer or property owner to go bankrupt and unable to pay. And so the, we think there's ways of doing this. So just a moment ago, um, I th you mentioned um, cleanup. And what is exactly does that mean? Does that mainly refer to the demolishing buildings and removing toxic materials? What do you, what are you meaning when you talk about cleanup here? Well, when, a, when a property is declared to be an unsafe structure, that gives the um, reigning municipality or county the authority to remove the building. Um, of course, the county has to pay for it or the city has to pay for it. Um, and so uh, there the costs of the private development get pushed back on the public. And so typically what happens is um, an unsafe structure gets demolished, the slab gets removed, all the debris gets taken away, any toxics found on the site have to be removed. I mean, it's all done um, according to the book. Um, but in some cases, it's expensive. Other cases, not so expensive. Um, I was talking to a, a developer I, I know who says that demolition and rest site restoration costs are somewhere between two and three percent of the cost of a building. Um, that's not very high. But on a large scale, um, it, it can the costs can mount up. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine they would. Um, and so when and how do you envision climate restoration bonds being implemented? Um, is you say you have a few partners or, or, or some um, municipalities that uh, that um, have shown an interest in it? Um, do you expect this to start taking effect? Um, your idea to take effect um, soon, or or what's the timeline looking like on CRBs? Well, there's there's a few pieces that have to get worked out. You have to figure out how the financing is done, um, how the insurance is done. You have to find private partners that will be willing to uh, pick up that insurance, the surety aspects of it. I think that can be done. I think the companies exist, and there's companies with a lot of experience in these types of projects. But again, they have to be identified. It requires enabling legislation, and there have to be ordinances put in place. There has to be a whole process put in place. A question you... Uh, raised earlier is when do you, uh, when do you push the button or pull the trigger and say, okay, we need to invoke this rule now to, to clean up this site. So those procedures have to be put in place. And once we, you've got, once you've got sort of the legislation written, then you want to vet it and run it by uh, experts. You want to run it by uh, your, your finance people. You want to run it by insurance people. You want to run it by climate disaster people. Um, and 
possibly also um, by some other countries. My understanding is that something like this has already been put in place in the United Kingdom for uh, a restoration of sites that have um, environmental significance. Even road construction, they require a restoration bond to make sure that the company um, doesn't just walk away from the, from the mess, and that everything's cleaned up. And it's been put on some mining sites and other places like this. So there is some experience with this in Europe um, that we can learn from as well. So I, and we have good relations with the, uh, with the British consulate here in Miami. So they might be willing to help us. So I think there's a fair bit of vetting involved to make sure that we've gotten this right. Um, I'm always reluctant to roll something new out, uh, sort of <laughs> without adequate, uh, adequate number of eyes on it to me. really have to get this right. Because if we are the first in the United States, um, it's a real opportunity for us and perhaps a feather in our caps. Um, but we also want to make sure that we do it correctly so that we are a positive model, not a cautionary tale. Got it. So uh, are there specific areas of Florida right now that should be looking at CRBs, do you think? Well, to start with, there's a lot of uh, communities that have discussed uh, putting a moratorium on development. And they're obviously the first ones that would be interested in this. Um, because this is really an alternate to a moratorium. Um, it's, a, I think, a better solution to, uh, to shutting down development is simply putting a, you know, addressing the concerns, um, I think, in a more creative and positive fashion. One that really puts private capital to work solving its own problems rather than having a um, government at odds with the private sector. I think it's really a more of a cooperative agreement. And I think people who are sort of, um, shall we say, conservative in their approach to things really sort of prefer large-scale government interventions not be the first, the first choice, uh, but rather allow the private industry to um, ultimately solve its problems. Now, it needs government to help. I mean, we have to create the structures that allow the private industry to take care of itself, I think. Laissez-faire, I think, is not going to work anymore. You know, the public is tired of the cleanup costs. Um, but another place I think this idea has some merit is in the oil and gas industry. So, for instance, right now, the, the floor of the Gulf of Mexico is covered with uncapped oil wells and gas wells. And they're leaking methane. Uh, it's a terrible environmental disaster, particularly for the climate. And there's absolutely no reason why... Uh, CRBs could not be required for any oil or gas exploration. They should be. Right. So um, on that, um, and from a developer's perspective, how would the cost be determined uh, for those developers with this plan? Um, I think to start with, you um, go to the back end and you look at the cost of restoring a site. You figure out what that is in today's dollars. Um, you factor in um, inflation, but then also factor in the interest on the money. So for, for instance, if there is an escrow account and you contribute to it over a 20 year period, it is going to accrue some interest and that interest can get folded forwards into the escrow account. So the, you know, the money shouldn't be static. It should be working towards the developer's purpose in some way. Um, so we all know that every plan has obstacles. And what are some of those obstacles that you see when it comes to implementing these CRBs? 
Well, I think the main obstacle is, is uh, um, investment in the status quo and that there's folks who say, hey, the system is working fine for us, i.e. Uh, the, the builders. Uh, why would we want to change that? And I think the way you, the way you engage uh, folks on that is to really show the number of communities that have discussed or have even implemented building moratoria of late. You know, this is not a, an idle threat. This, I'm not just thinking this up out of the blue. I mean, there really is a problem and there really is active discussion of moratoria. Um, and they have been put in place in some areas, perhaps temporarily. But I think any builder would rather have a, a constructive solution that allows their company to move forwards um, than one that really just puts them dead in the water. So what do you think the kind of support local governments would need from the state legislature to facilitate the creation of uh, these of these climate restoration bonds? We're not sure at this point whether it requires enabling state legislation. Um, this is something that we're going to have to have to figure out. I mean, I think the first thing is to come up with um, a plan that works and then see if it's compatible with existing state legislation or not. We do have something called, you know, climate adaptation areas, which is part of the state's um, statutes. And so maybe it gets, it gets nestled in there. Um, maybe we already have the authority to do so. I mean, but this is one of the advantages of working with Miami-Dade County. They have a really superb legal department. And I think we'll get the, we'll get the necessary legal research to understand uh, whether the existing authorities are there or whether they have to be created. Dr. Stoddard, thank you for your time. You're very welcome. And I'm uh, looking forward to um, um, gaining some, some additional partners and, and any additional ideas. I'll just say one more thing, and that is if you're interested in the idea, watch, look at the website we've got. It's called um, restorationbonds.org. And we have some materials up there now, and as we continue to develop the project, we'll be adding new material all the